Hello. With the nearest point to our only navigable canal, the Monmouthshire and Brecon, universally abbreviated to Mon and Breck, being some 20 miles away, the Welsh border seems far removed from our familiarity with the spider's web of black country waterways, where it seemed possible to throw a brick in any direction and it would most likely splash into the cut. Yet even here, the sparse strands of a canal-based anecdote may be given cohesion by the most innocuous happenstance, and I offer an intriguing example of one such that was woven together recently in front of my very eyes by nothing more than a chance find in the cellar of the Ritzpence Inn directly across the road from the barn. For anyone even vaguely familiar with the oft-turbulent history of our inland waterways, the arrival of the Canal and River Trust, the CRT, came like a breath of fresh air. From the stark days of nationalisation and the British Transport Commission of 1948, with its mandate to dismantle waterways that were deemed of little further use, to the less obstructive days of the British Waterways Board, the more enlightened British Waterways that it begat, and on to the charitable third sector CRT of 2012, the journey from wholesale infilling to active preservation and promotion has been quite remarkable. Yet the notion for the CRT was not a new one. Robert Aikman, 1914 to 1981, one of the founding fathers of the Inland Waterways Association, the IWA, in 1946, was convinced that the only way to save our waterways was to develop them for multi-use purposes including commerce, pleasure, water supply, drainage, fishing, the preservation of the archaeology and a diversified use of formerly private towpaths. He supported the formation of a National Waterways Conservancy, presciently advocating broadly similar principles as embodied in the new CRT. Whilst the CRT is the official custodian of the waterways, the RWA has become the largest coordinated body of waterways volunteers in the country, and together with its Waterway Recovery Group, whose members are affectionately known as Wurgis, has done much to restore many derelict navigations that suffered grievously under the British Transport Commission and the provisions of the Caustic LMSR Act of 1944. IWA's achievements have been significant, but the one I'll enlarge upon here is its support for the Battle of Stourbridge Cut in 1962, effectively a Custer's last stand for the old order. The tale of how the will of the people prevailed in retaining their canal has passed into legend. But, significantly, the legacy of officials and volunteers working alongside each other established a model that is still in use to this day and is the cornerstone for almost every restoration that has occurred since. The CRT comprises a series of local partnerships on which delegates sit for a three-year period, renewable for a further three and with only two terms allowed. So, the announcement that a colleague of mine whom I have sat alongside these past two full terms, has been appointed National Chairman of the IWA, was a cause for much congratulation when we met recently at a partnership meeting. It was but a short while after returning from this gathering that I adjourned to the inn opposite for a refreshing libation. I barely sat down when mine host handed me a press cutting. I was having a clear out and found this in the cellar, he announced. I thought it might interest you. The extract was A Countryman's Journal by one H.J. Massingham and related the author's visit to the hostelry in which he waxes lyrical. His description of this noble pile remaining what it has called itself from the 14th century 
and still offering an accommodation to travellers as well as a bar parlour for the locals. Might have been written for TripAdvisor last week. It was only the slightly flooded prose and the dated nuance of the words pasted onto a fragile frame some 15 inches by 5 inches and all tanned with a hue derived from a combination of ageing and generations of cigarette smoke that identified it as being of its time. That time being 1939, when the author was a travel writer. I subsequently learnt that he injured his leg and, after a lengthy recuperation, injured it again to the extent it had to be amputated after which he still managed to write another 30 books before dying in 1952, aged 64. I convinced myself only half-heartedly that I had never heard of Massingham. I looked him up, explained mine host, as if anticipating my thoughts. Apparently, he wrote the foreword for a famous canal book. Now, mine host is not particularly a waterways enthusiast, but he's a darn fine mine host, a quintessential element of which involves engaging with his locals. And with that one comment did he indeed engage me as the mental cogs began to creak. Nipping back across the road and having scanned the bookshelves, my good lady returned with my copy of Narrowboat by L.T.C. Rolt, an absorbing record of how he and his wife adapted an old narrowboat as a home and journeyed over 400 miles along the waterways in a celebration of what was, by the time of its publication in 1944, the near-lost culture of boatmen and the fast-disappearing rural landscape of oldie England. It's one of those niche tomes that may pass most folks by unheralded, but, like de Salis, Yarrington, Telford, Brindley et al., is high up there on the required reading for any enthusiast who aspires to the echelons of serious waterways aficionado. I flicked to the foreword and read the opening line. I received the manuscript of this book before I knew the author personally. There follows his effulgent praise of Rolt's travels along a dying network, an unvarnished appraisal described by Sir Compton Mackenzie as an elegy of classic restraint unmarred by sentiment that concludes with Massingham's near-tearful final sentence. He is pleading for something that is part of the soul of England. An engineer by discipline, Lionel Thomas Caswell Rolt, 1910-1974, was a prolific writer and the biographer of giants in the civil engineering fields, including Brunel and Telford. He was an enthusiast for vintage cars and heritage railways, being instrumental in the formation of the Talithlin Railway Preservation Society in mid-Wales, and his contribution across the spectrum of his interests was considerable. But it is as a pioneer of the leisure cruising industry, and in particular his epic journey around the Midlands Canals, that he is best remembered in the waterway sphere and in which his influence is acknowledged to this day. Rolt's seminal narrowboat led to his meeting with the aforementioned Aikman at the top of Tardy Big Locks on the Worcester Birmingham Canal near Alfchurch, a plaque denotes the spot, that led directly to the formation of the IWA, the august body that my colleague now leads. The rest is history, a history that is underpinned by, amongst other things, the Battle of Stourbridge Cut and the nascence of a burgeoning restoration movement which ultimately led to the formation of Aikman's Conservancy, the Canal and River Trust. Powerful stuff. There's the layers of a gripping fireside yawn, if ever. So, here's the cream poured on top. For a while, from 1914 onwards, Tom Rolt was my near neighbour, living in the village of Cusop, less than four miles away from the barn. 
His book that was instrumental in saving the waterways of both my birthplace and my current home contains a foreword written by a man whom Rolt had up to that point never met, yet who once frequented my local pub where the cosy snug and open hearth has barely changed since Massingham's last visit three quarters of a century ago. Who knows, I might even be sitting in his seat. Enjoy your black country and do join me again soon for more Tales from the Bone.